What's your name? David Edlin. What's the name that people know you on social media? They know me as McCovey Cove Dave. How many home run balls have you retrieved from McCovey Cove? 42 so far. If you had to take a guess, how many baseball games do you think you have attended from inside McCovey Cove? I have attended over 500 games in McCovey Cove. I keep track of them. I'm a numbers guy. It's actually about 525 to be exact, but uh, I've only attended less than 10 inside the park. Coming up on this edition of Life Around the Seams, we visit with one of the very few people who has been attending Major League games this season. Now, granted, he's not in the stands. He is in a kayak in the bay, not the ocean. He is outside the San Francisco Giants ballpark, and he is listening to the game on the radio while looking up into the air, hoping to retrieve home run balls. McCovey Cove Dave is next on Life Around the Seams. Former Major League pitcher Jim Bouton once wrote, You spend a good piece of your life gripping a baseball, and in the end, it turns out it was the other way around all the time. Welcome to Life Around the Scenes, a podcast about baseball people who have interesting stories from between the lines, and sometimes even more interesting stories outside the lines. Here's your host, Josh Sushan. Thanks so much for joining me. I love your shirt. McCovey Cove is not an ocean. You want to give us the background of that shirt? Well, one of the, the great rivalry moments, I believe, in Dodgers-Giants history was last June 9th, June 9th, 2019. And I happened to be in McCovey Cove, and it was a very hot day. It was 80 degrees, which is rare for San Francisco. But uh, my favorite pitcher, Mad Bum, was pitching to the Dodgers, and um, – uh, Max Muncie was at bat, and, and Max Muncie got every bit of that ball. It was hit hard and deep, and I guess initially Mad Bum felt that he didn't walk quite fast enough to or run fast enough around the bases, and so he said, don't walk, run. And then Max Muncie looked back at, at Mad Bum and said, you know, if you want that ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. Of course, the ball went way over my head. And whenever a ball goes over your head, the hardest thing in kayaking is to reverse or turn around, particularly when a lot of younger, I'm 64 right now, guys are paddling hard for it. So I, I was the one who got it out of the ocean. And uh, it is a special ball because of the rivalry. The Dodger-Giants rivalry go back to the East Coast. And uh, – I'm sure it's one of the top 10 balls in that rivalry, and I will always cherish it. Um, it spawned a whole bunch of shirts, mainly from the Dodgers, um, commemorating it. But this was the Giants version saying McCovey Cove is not an ocean, and I wear it proudly. All right. Most people who are listening to this podcast are going to know this, but for those who do not, the San Francisco Giants ballpark, it opened in 2000, beyond the fence on right field. Players can hit a ball into the water. 
and it was quickly named McCovey Cove. I believe it was Mark Purdy of the San Jose Mercury News who coined that nickname. When was your first time attending a game inside McCovey Cove? Well, I, I have, I'm good at numbers, and I remember dates. So this was October 5th of 2001. It was actually the second season. I basically worked at a crazy high-tech job until September of 2001, and I had no, no time. I just listened and watched Giants games. But as I left Hewlett-Packard, where I worked, I told all of my departing co- my colleagues that I was going to go catch a McCovey Cove home run. I already knew before I left that that was my destiny. And I went out to that game. As you know, at that night, Barry Bonds had 70 home runs. Mark McGuire had 70. The next home run would put Barry into a higher – he would have the all-time season record. And that night, he hit 71 and 72, super crowded cove, 200 kayaks. I was out there. It was so exciting. And when 71 came in the air, it looked like it was going to go to McCovey Cove. And I could see that white ball in the air. And I yelled, there it is. Everybody, I seemingly heard me. And uh, by that, by that point in time, it was already an addiction. I knew this was going to be something I was going to do uh, for the rest of my life. So that's just one of the great parts about that ballpark is, is, the, is the kayaks. And I've attended games there as a reporter at the Oakland Tribune, hundreds and hundreds. Also games um, I've attended as a fan. There's twice I went out there with friends with a kayak. Um, but for those who have never been, ex- explain in your own words what it's like when you are just outside the ballpark, you can't see the action, you can hear the action, and you're surrounded some nights by you know, a handful and some nights by hundreds and hundreds of other kayakers. Well, you know, it might sound pretty lonely because on most nights it's really a handful of people, less than 10 people that are hardcore uh, kayak McCovey Cove fans on the weekends it gets really crowded and last weekend we had 80 kayakers which is um, actually it's the highest attendance of any area in Major League Baseball this year so we're very proud about that <laughs> but you have to be a really good radio listener because the broadcasters I think for all baseball fans are their good friends but for McCovey Cove kayakers it's even a closer relationships we live on every word and so we listen on KNBR to the what's typically the live feed it's not live this year but typically a live feed and we're listening to fantastic broadcasters i mean fan unbelievable broadcasters and they basically tell us the story of what's going inside we listen and we react to their emotions and screams and when they start to say deep to right oh my god we are just shivering with excitement and and we're competing too we all feel like we are the regulars that we're outfielders. Maybe we're not official outfielders, but we feel like we're part of the game in our minds. So we're chasing that ball like it's our play to make. I love what you just said about the broadcasters because as someone who does play-by-play myself in the minor leagues, you know what I always think of, what I was always taught, is that imagine that there's someone who's sitting next to you and that person is blind. They can hear everything, they can feel everything, but they can't see anything. And so it's your job as a play-by-play announcer to paint pictures and describe for them exactly everything that they cannot see. And now I'm going to have to change that, and I'm going to have to think, imagine if someone was blind or if they're in McCovey Cove, you need to make sure that you describe everything in perfect detail for them. 
And, and sometimes they give us clues. We can tell by their expression typically how hard it's hit, whether it's got a chance from a Cubby Cove. Sometimes we get a clue where the broadcaster might say down the line, high, deep. Um, the most recent calls on the Estremsky uh, walk-off home run were outstanding by both TV and radio. I was listening to the radio feed, but they were really outstanding. I mean, we knew something really special was happening. And uh, it was one of those home runs that was high in the air so we could really see it well against the uh, lights of the stadium. And um, it was super special. But most of the kayakers now are really guys that grew up in the 60s that we're used to when radio was what you listen to a game. Nowadays, people can get TV, they can get video on their cell phones. But in the room I'm in now, this is the room I grew up in the 1960s. We, I listened to the Giants. Actually, the radio was right where my laptop is. And if we did our homework, my parents would let us listen to the Giants game. And we sat on our beds on either side of the laptop here, my brother and I, and we listened to every word. Every number, we were both very number-oriented guys, so all the milestones, um, we were calculating batting averages in our heads as the game went on. That gave us the thrill, so that tells you a little about me. I love it so much about it. In terms of the kayak, the first game, did you already have a kayak? Did you rent it? And, and if so, when did you buy your own kayak in order to not have to rent it every time? So I, I had an advantage over the other uh, kayakers in McCovey Cove. Most of them basically picked up kayaking to get a chance for a home run ball. But I actually competed in sports uh, nationally where you had to be a fast kayaker. So in 2005, my uh, it's a free dive spearfishing team won the U.S. national championships. And to be competing in that sport you have to be a fast kayaker so I already had a kayak I have a faster one now but I was used to basically paddling hard I maneuvering and so that was my big advantage big advantage is that I was a great kayaker where do you park where do you launch your kayak in order to get over to the cove on game days so there's several options, but they're just about to prove. Ne uh, next year, the Giants will have a launch ramp on the south side of McCovey Cove, and that will be a major improvement for fan access. And I'm, I've been consulting with the Giants on that, and um, that is going to be a great moment. Right now, um, there's limited areas. Most newcomers basically rent kayaks at Pier 40, which is about three-block paddle. And so if you're just coming for a one-time <clears throat> Rent at Pier 40 at City Kayaks, paddle over, it's easy. If you have your own equipment, <clears throat> most people go to Pier 54, which is about um, a half a mile paddle from the Giants Park, and they park there and they make the long paddle around uh, a couple of the really large <clears throat> piers going out into San Francisco Bay, and that's where I go, Pier 54. Yeah, I definitely did the, the renting, although the, the, the first time that I went, my friend had a kayak, and so we strapped it to the top of my Honda Accord, <laughs> and uh -huh. so we're driving through the streets of San Francisco with this uh, kayak on top of a very small car, and then we parked there at Pier 40, and I rented a kayak, and it was so much fun. I'm not a great kayaker. I just like to do it for fun, and for me, it was more like the experience, but I, I can see how if, you, if you're a regular and you have your own, what you just described. Um, you know, it's kind of like worth it for the journey, you know, in order to, you kind of earn your way there with a little bit of a longer kayak paddle. 
I have a, uh, my current kayak. If, I don't know if you can see this here. It looks like this one. It's actually much more narrow. It basically really hugs my hips. To have a fast kayak, you want it to be very narrow. Um, and uh, my kayak is about 24 inches wide. The typical person has a kayak that's 30 inches or 33, 4 inches. But the narrower kayaks allow you to get higher speeds, although you may fall off. But this is a, this was the first bobblehead, uh, and they, they did my current kayak. Who, who's they? How did you get this bobblehead of yourself? So this was basically made by uh, the Bobblehead Hall of Fame. They made them for sale. They, they sold out to Giants fans. And uh, I think next year you're going to see the second bobblehead. And the second bobblehead will be most likely me in the water holding up the Shremsky walk-off home run. And the company that makes these really is really good in detail. They've got my hoodie with the McCovey Cove Dave in detail. Um, and uh, even my name that I crazily have on the side of my kayak. But they're going to come up. It'll be ready for 2021. That's fantastic. I, I love it. Um, you mentioned falling in. How often have you intentionally dove into the water to get a ball? And just how cold is it? So that was my eighth swim home run out of 42, the one that Yastrzemski walk off. In the past, I've always gone in because I needed to. I needed to. Basically, kayaks collided, and the ball might be by the front of our kayaks where a few kayaks have come together, and the other kayakers are not willing to get wet. I'm willing to get wet. It doesn't – I'm a water dog. So I've swam in for – the first home run that I got swimming in was – from Pablo Sandoval in 2010. And that was the number one play of the day for SportsCenter um, that day in August of 2010. And then most recently, the walk-off with Yastrzemski, that was also number one, and I went in. So I think it tells me that being in the water makes it a better better show. And um, this last time, I can say it was intentional. So my son, who's kind of my coach in all this, the one who gave me the McCovey Cove, hoodies for father's day said dad every year you should get wet at least once and if it's a big home run and you've got a lead go in so as i went for the home run straight at it on there i thought of what he said and also i was really joyful i wanted to get wet so i i um was i jumped in a little bit awkwardly but i did get the balls i jumped in and it made it more special and i could I didn't want to get out of the water. I, I was there for about five minutes. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, like, as you're describing this, you know, you mentioned that you've been a baseball fan and that you're a numbers guy and that you were working at Hewlett-Packard and then you retire and then you start going because it's fun and, uh, and, and you kind of get hooked. But now you're on SportsCenter. You've got bobblehead. You've got shirts. There's people who know you. There's people like me who just knew of you that want to do a podcast with you. Tell me what like the last, especially 10 years has been like, but all of a sudden now, now you're like a part of going to a Giants game as McCovey Cove Dave. It, it's been really fun. You know, as an older guy who likes sports and loves baseball, it couldn't be, it couldn't be better for me. As you know, I love kayaking, but also I'm also a fan of the home run. So it's all kind of uh, come together perfectly. Originally when I came out there, we were called the Bonds Navy and the Bonds Navy was a term that ESPN had coined for the uh, Giants kayakers that waited for Barry Bonds ball. And I, I was the first member that they said, Dave Edlin of the Bonds Navy. Um, but 
when I started using analytics to uh, get more home runs in 2010, I found out that I could get access to all the home run uh, estimated landing locations, and that could give me a big advantage. Then I started saying, I will wear my Dave shirt that my son gave me, and you know what? I'm going to meet a lot of fun people, and it's going to make my life you know, so, so much more exciting. And um, shortly thereafter, the smartphone came out. It used to be that we were stranded out in McCovey Cove with no one to talk to. We had the splash camera and a few of our friends. But once we got the smartphone, I could talk to my baseball friends in New York City during the game. So I started basically tweeting and Instagramming information about the Giants game. Uh, they told me information about what's going on in their, at their baseball games. And uh, it just kind of grew and grew. And, and uh, um, I've gotten a, a better relationship with a lot of people, including the Giants. You know, last week, the Giants let me and my buddies do cheers on the TV broadcast, which is so cool. Now, if, we didn't, if I didn't have that shirt, I probably wouldn't have got the opportunity. Uh, last week, I wrote the, or a couple of days ago, I wrote the Giants with some suggestions for Lucille that I hope he will um, uh, start using this coming Sunday at the A's game. So I have ways of, of um, helping the Giants, and they, they reciprocate. Um, this week, we're going to take, take me out to the ball game. Me and my buddies, the Giants have asked us to do it. And um, players will be watching that in the park, hopefully in about a week or so. Oh, that's so cool. That is so cool. So for, for you and, and the others, whether they're regulars or whether they're newbies, what are the rules? What are the, you, you can't do this. What, what, what is frowned upon out there in the cove? So some people say there are no rules, but having been there to over 500 games, there is, there's really kind of one or two rules. And it's basically largely no holds barred, but essentially as soon as you get your hand, here's the Yastrzemski walk-off from it. As soon as you get your hand on the ball like that, you own it. And we, we stop fighting for the ball, and then we start celebrating amongst the regulars. About 90% of the time, a regular gets the ball. About 10%, it's someone who's there for the day. But we... We have hurt each other inadvertently, not intentionally. Like I've been leaning over for a ball that's coming by my kayak and another kayak comes in as I lean over, you know, hit my rib and broke my rib. It's strictly- Wait, you had your rib broken? Yes, broke. And, and, and we've been hit in the mouth by paddles, sometimes fighting for the ball inadvertently. Again, it's not, in t- there's no kind of direct, uh, that the, in coordination, excitement of all, a few paddles get hit. but. Um, the five seconds before that ball's grabbed, it's really pretty crazy. And, and uh, uh, we all fight hard for everybody wants that souvenir. It may be a $7 ball to some, but we, kinda, we think it's part of baseball history, that it's, it's part of the game. And uh, like this Yastrzemski ball, well, sometime I will have it here on the wall, and I'll have an audio button, and you'll, you'll listen to John Miller uh, and Dwayne Kuyper, you'll hear their calls when you come to my room, and I'll see that ball, and as long as I live, it'll be a great memory. So you mentioned that Yastrzemski ball, the time that you got on SportsCenter, the Max Muncy. Is there any other favorites of yours, that home run ball that you have collected? Yeah, definitely. Um, so several ones that are really special to me. Um, the first Pablo Sandoval home run on 
July 30th of 2009. He came in at the end of 2008. We knew he had a lot of potential, and I really wanted his home run. And growing up, Willie McCovey was my favorite player by far. And I knew on July 30th, that was the 50th anniversary of Willie McCovey's major league debut, July 30th of 59. So when I got in one day Pablo's home run in a crowded cove on Willie McCovey's 50th anniversary, and at the moment the home run was hit, it was like the fifth inning, I believe, um, Willie McCovey was in with the TV broadcasters, and he said, Panda is one of my favorites. And at that moment, that's when the ball left the bat and headed out towards me. And it landed like two feet away from me. So that was a real special one. Um, Another special one, a non-giant, is I did get David Ortiz. They call him Big Poppy, of course. The first American League splash hit into McCovey Cove. And while the Giants are my favorites, I respect people that have talent. And um, I feel like David Ortiz has some of the uh, qualities of Willie McCovey, that I believe he's a great human being. Uh, I've met with him a couple times, and um, I'm happy that I have his. And I expect him to be in the Hall of Fame someday. Um, Let's see, another home run that was special to me was I caught the 1,000th home run hit by a giant at Oracle Park. And I... The um, the motto of my family is never unprepared. So we kind of try to prepare for things. So starting in the winter before the 2014 season, I calculated there had been 950 Giants home runs at the park. I verified with Giants that day, yep, 950. And then that year, I counted them off. And finally, in September of that year, it was 999. And I was in the Cove. I'm looking at my competition. Nobody knows it's nine uh, ninety nine, but I do. Also, some reporters knew it inside. But um, that ball came like straight at me, and I had about a one in twenty chance of getting it because nine percent of all Oracle Park home runs get to the water. I get about seventy, a little over seventy percent of all home runs that reach the coast. So I have like about a six percent chance of getting so. Anyhow, I won the one in 20, and I did get that ball. And uh, that's a special one. When you retrieve a ball out, how long does it take before the ball is dry? Like by by the end of the game, by the next morning, when when is the ball completely dry? So right now, these Yastrzemski, this one here that was wet last Wednesday, so it's been nine days, and I consider it dry. There's probably some little moisture on it but I believe it's dry enough to put it into some kind of box right now. But it does take a few days. Um, balls only float for a minute. We only, we've only lost one Giants home run last year um, to sinking to the bottom. So the kayakers, we have about a minute to find that ball. And um, we have three opponent home runs that have sunk because people have not paddled as hard to it. But, but um, la- last year we had one Giants home run uh, sink. But when you do clean them up, they do have some wrinkles and stuff associated with being in McCovey Cove. So this ball looks different than a ball that um, was caught in the stands. And um, I try to get every ball signed by the player. So uh, I haven't met with Yastrzemski yet under the circumstances, but um, 
I will hopefully get this signed and have it in my man cave. Tell me about batting practice because, again, for people who aren't familiar with McCovey Cove, it's not easy to hit it out. Bonds made it look easy, but there for a while, he had about 90% of all the balls that, that ended up in the water. So during batting practice, how often are you out there? How many balls do you think get out there and how many might get lost, you know, just because there's not enough people out there to get them in that minute before they sink? So balls do get lost because they sink. We have one guy that throws a net from shore. His name is Joe Dirt. And Joe can cast pretty far, but sometimes during batting practice, if there are not any kayakers, the balls will sink to the bottom. And um, I've gone out there since I, I actually, my job for the living is doing work underwater. And so I'm very comfortable with no visibility. So when I go to the bottom, my covey coat is littered with balls that are up to 20 years old and the covers are coming off, sunglasses, broken paddles, anchors. Last year I did a swim trying to recover the uh, Stephen Vogt lost home run. I found about eight balls, but I didn't find his ball. How but, would you know which ball would be his? So what happens is the balls start aging. They, the McCovey Cove has a light, like one inch covering of, of mud and they go down and start staining. Um, I knew the rough area where it landed because of visual markers and, um, I have recovered one home run before. The first one was easy because the Giants were using 60 to commemorate 60 years in San Francisco. I gave someone my splash hit. They dropped it, and it went to the bottom, and I knew where it was. When I went down, it took me about five minutes and had the number 60. The uh, batting practice balls tend to be pure white to start out with. The um, game balls have a little bit of mud. So the first one was easy. Um, I couldn't prove, say, the um, Stephen Vogt ball if I got it, um, but I would probably be 95% sure because of its coloring. I try to recover it just a few days after it happens so the ball would look really good. It would look really good. How deep is it? When you say you dive down to the bottom, how deep is it? So McKevy Cove is roughly 20 to 25 feet deep, 25 feet far off, but close to where the home runs land, it's 15 to 20 feet deep. It's got, it's virtually no visibility, maybe a foot initially when you get down to the bottom. And it's basically a muddy bay covering with some small kelp. Uh, and there's different fish, small sharks. Oh, there's crabs. Oh yeah, I've been pinched. It's like, because you have no visibility and you have to sweep your hands to find things, eventually you hit the crabs. And if they get a good grab, you know, then you, you flick them off hard. But they're baby dungeness crabs for the most – and some rock crabs. Um, you never thought about grabbing them and bringing them up and, and t having them for dinner? <laughs> well, I, I could. A lot of them are pretty, pretty small there. I'm really rushing on a mission to find that ball. I also found people's cell phone. I, I actually lost a cell phone one time in McCovey Cove as I, I was taking a picture on a very windy day for some new, newcomers. They wanted to do a group photo. And I lifted up my camera and my paddle in the wind blew up, hit the cell phone and I dropped it to the bottom 20 feet down. And fortunately, I had an Apple insurance policy that if you bring the phone in for $79, you get a new $800 phone. So I came back two days later. It took me about 15 minutes, but I found my dead phone and uh, I got my $79 new one. When, when you go diving down, uh, do you use a, a, a mask at all? I mean, since it's yes. not that deep, I guess you can free dive down. Yes. 
So I can I can when I was younger free dive up to 100 feet is what you have to do to compete in the sport I competed in, but I actually you really want to spend as much time in the bottom as possible. So I put a scuba tank in my kayak and carefully took it out, anchored my kayak and went down and I stay in the bottom. Every once in a while I have to come to the surface because I put a buoy where I think that item that I lost is located and then I will periodically have to come up so I can stay in the search zone. But my daytime job is I basically recover golf balls at, at about 50 golf courses in California. And uh, so I use the same techniques. You sweep your hands without being able to see things and use your sense of feel. And then if I like golf ball, I throw it into a bag. I use the same technique when I'm in McCovey Cove. I'm throwing old radios, everything into a mesh bag that hangs underneath me. And uh, using that technique, I once found a Barry Bonds um, golf ball. He had hit one into a golf course that I dive and he was at a celebrity tournament and they put the names of the celebrity on each golf ball. So I found about 3000 golf balls that day. And in my garage, I slowly went through each one, washing them with a hose. And sure enough, I found the Barry Bonds ball. So um, I, uh, it's a special ball too. I feel like this would be a really fun TV show, uh, like those storage wars or uh, different shows like that. What can Dave find at the bottom of McCovey Cove and what can he find at the bottom of golf course uh, lakes and, and streams yes. and things like that? Yeah, and I found a lot of bobbleheads too. I think what happens opposing uh, fans sometimes throw their bobbleheads in. So I have a collection of Krupp and Kipe uh, bobbleheads here that, that my mom has in our garden here. So we've kind of uh, retasked them. Let me ask you about Willie McCovey. There's a lot to like about him. Great player, great human. You, you mentioned that he was your favorite player as a kid. And now this area of water outside the ballpark is named after him. Just for you as a kid, what made him special? Why, why did you like uh, stretch? So I was partial to home run hitters and I also am left-handed and he was left-handed. He was a power hitter. Um, I liked when I heard him on the radio that he seemed like a kind man. And uh, I've met lots of baseball players in my lifetime, but I had really good feelings about him. He seemed to be uh, generous and nice and kind, uh, even though setting, you know, hitting lots of powerful, great home runs. And uh, um, I also liked the fact that he had such long longevity um, he played in so many games. He's played in the most games of any San Francisco giant in San Francisco. I think over 1,100 games. Um, and you can just tell later in life, as I met Willie McCovey, he is a uh, just a really good person. You 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 know you get quickly you get vibes on the players and stuff on on what their personality is. But he's easygoing and he's kind, and I like that. He's fan friendly. I remember the first time that I interviewed Willie McCovey. I don't think it was a one-on-one. -on -one. I think it was with other reporters. And I never got to watch Willie play in his prime, but I, but I knew who he was. And I remember being nervous. You know, you feel your heart racing a little bit. You know, I kind of defer to the older reporters and let them ask the first couple of questions before I jump in with mine. But I remember just immediately just, just feeling at ease with him, that, that there was 
that there was a kindness that, that he wasn't going to be someone who's going to look to show off by saying something about me or whatever. Um, you know, just an easy smile on his face and was willing to answer any questions. And usually they were about his cove or they were about Barry Bonds. Um, and just such a, you know, again, just such a, just such a gentleman. Um, in addition, yes. which, which when you see him at first, he can, he's intimidating because he's huge, yes. but just what a gentleman. Yes. He, I mean, in my era growing up, he had, I think, 18 grand slams. So as we listened to the radio, it seemed like he was always hitting a grand slam. He was always setting records for hitting the longest home run. Um, and that really impressed me. And uh, um, I wish I could have really chased his home runs. Back then, I had to listen to them being hit on the radio. But I would have loved to have chased a Willie McCovey home run. That would have been the ultimate. So you've spent most of the time at Oracle Park outside in a kayak. What was it like or what is it like on the rare occasions that you watch the game from inside the ballpark? Well, it's kind of like maybe if you've been in prison for a while and you only have like a limited amount of things happening in the Cove, only a few things happen. I listen to the radio. I talk to a few friends. You can't buy any food. There's no bathrooms. When I do go in the park, it's like overwhelming. There's so many things. There's different foods everywhere. There's so many people talking. Um, I go, gosh, I don't think I could concentrate and watch the game. And honestly, I have a hard time when I go inside because <clears throat> there's so much activity buzzing. Um, when I'm in the cove, I can really concentrate. I can concentrate on every word. When any left-handed Giants player up, I am all ears. I'm not playing with my phone. I'm not eating food. Um, so it's hard for me to be inside because I'm actually spent so many days in, in the Cove. And that's kind of, it's not my prison, but it's, it's, um, it's an area that I feel very comfortable in. And actually, when the Cove gets really crowded like it does in the World Series in 2014, it's, it becomes like inside the stadium. There's so many... Uh, horns and um, I can't even hear my radio. So um, I enjoy going in. I'd like to go to Fan Fest every year. That's one of the great moments. Um, I usually take a tour each year, even though I've been taking the tour many times because I like to walk around there when there's only a few people. Um, and uh, the Giants have let me come on the field at, uh, for a few uh, instances at special events and so I do love being inside there but I'd rather be chasing a splash hit. When you're out there in your kayak you're focused as you just mentioned on the game on chasing a splash hit. Most other people are just out there to have fun. I remember seeing I think someone had like a small little barbecue once that I've seen. I think I've seen people that have some sort of small portable television. What are some of the unusual things that you've witnessed other people doing out there in the cove? Well, it is a big party zone, and it will be for the upcoming weekend. Uh, we've had all sorts of great cooking on barbecues and kayaks. I've seen every type of dog on a kayak. Um, and um, some people have, have built special contraptions. We have had three people build, like, putting greens on there and basically set up a putting green on McCovey Cove, which is very, very cool. Um, Every type of watercraft has come into McCovey Cove uh, over the years. There's a DeLorean that comes in about once a year, and it's like Back to the Future. It's the DeLorean, but it's a hovercraft version. I, I guess that it's a hovercraft, and it will zip around the cove making turns. 
And I love that creative fun. We've seen people come in in pirate ships. Um, we've, um, uh, we've seen so many di uh, different things. Sometimes people come in and they have a display of 50 different flags, some of them mainly the Giants flags. And they're really super moments. And uh, I'm trying to get Lucille to come out and paddleboard with me on Sunday. So every-time Lucille comes out there, he is a hit. And uh, I'm hoping that if it's not too crowded, he will come out for the A's uh, versus Giants this Sunday, which will be an afternoon day game. Um, we, we also have other teams coming in there. Even though it's mainly Giants fans, the A's have done a great job with the rivalry, bringing in A's fans in different contraptions and boats. Even their president, Dave Cavall, um, comes out every year. And I don't know if he will this year in the virus, but it's fun when the opponent uh, team sends fans out there. And uh, this year, I think we might have it with the Dodgers. I have a feeling a lot of Dodger fans are going to come up for our three-game series. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, the first year before you started to go out there, I remember I thought that there was a rule uh, put in about a month in about – because there were some big boats and there was one where it was going after a Barry Bonds home run where they kind of bounced off one another. It might have been 500 or 501 or something like that. It, but there's some type of rule about, about what motors are allowed out there and which ones are not. Yes, yes. So what happened is the first year of the park, 2000 – most of the people going after balls were using mainly inflatables with, with a, an outboard motor, but they went really fast. And we really didn't have many kayaks out back then. In 2001, uh, more kayaks came out and also fans on surfboards. So inevitably, there was going to be a problem because if you're going 25, 30 miles an hour on an inflatable and you're competing against someone on a surfboard, you're going to have an accident. So in Around August 1st of 2001, there was a near accident where an inflatable hit a surfer without cutting them, but barely missing it. And then the Giants put a rule in that all powerboats were uh, had to stay outside a zone marked by buoys that, that protected kind of the first 50 or 60 feet of water closest to the port walk. Now, what's happened is that those buoys were put in in around August 10th of 2001, they have deteriorated and the last buoy basically is now gone. So this is the first year we actually have no buoys. Um, and so I, um, you know, I hope we don't have any incidents or whatever, but there's the buoys basically made it clear that you could not come in under motored power. And, uh, if there are any issues, I'll let the Giants know. But so far, the first six games, it's been great. Well, I, I just love everything about how that just spontaneously has become such a San Francisco thing. I don't think the Giants had planned on that. I know they wanted – they liked the idea of balls going in the water, but I don't think uh, they envisioned that there would be um, just so many characters out there and so many different vessels and, and such a fun party uh, atmosphere because that's what sports are all about and it just goes to show that no matter whether you're sitting right behind home plate or you're in the top row of the ballpark or whether you're out in a kayak uh, sports are fun and um, and I just love what you and everyone else have done out there hey one thing I like to say because I think this is the question you asked me earlier they have batting practice for most night games and it starts two and a half hours before the game so at a 645 game 
uh, it would be at 415. So 415 for about an hour and a half, they typically have batting practice. And if someone was wanting to have a McCovey Cove experience where they wanted to see a ball in the air, they should come at 415 and maybe, and, and they should, they may get a ball because uh, sometimes there's up to 10 balls hit in batting practice. And most games there's zero balls and you'll see them hitting in there. Even if you don't get one, it's very exciting to see the splashdown very close. So I've done those things hundreds of times. I'm not, I don't do them as many now because I'm trying to do every game. And it, it, if I go to batting practice, it makes a three hour game a six hour game. And uh, so I'm kind of saving my strength for the real game, but I would recommend fans coming out for an evening game to uh, grab a few balls and come to batting practice. Yeah, for sure. Let me close with this. This might be a bordering on too much information, but whether you're out there for three hours or for six hours, including batting practice, you mentioned how there's no bathrooms out there. There's no food. What are things that people should do to plan in advance if they're going out there? What I'd say is if you're renting a kayak, use the bathrooms. The last thing you do on there is that is use the bathrooms. And uh, um, for the regulars and stuff, they discreetly have uh, bottles and stuff that they use in there. But one thing you can do is limit your liquids. So I have a one, um, a one soda or one beer rule that I will not drink more than one, even if the game goes extra innings. So I basically don't want to uh, lose my focus on the game. So for, that, for a few hours, I cut back my water consumption. Has there ever been a game when you were the only one out there? Yes. Yeah, so I caught a home run. Usually I have lots of competition, but about two or three years ago, we had a thunderstorm, which was pretty rare for the summertime. And it came in and we had lightning hitting everywhere and it was getting close to McCovey Cove and we don't really have much exposure. So we ran underneath the poor walk. There's some areas you can get underneath. And then the Giants uh, canceled the game or not can They delayed the game. And uh, it was, I believe it was September 11th of 2017. And uh, they delayed the game for two hours. They really wanted to get the game in. And so I took and tied my kayak up and I went into my car and I slept for two hours. Fortunately, I woke up just when they said the game's going to restart in 15 minutes at 1045, 1045. And you're basically starting in the first inning. So what happened is All my competition had gone home with all the rain and thunderstorms. They thought there's no way this game's going to start. So I paddled out at 1045. Now I truly own the cove. It had gone from being rough and windy to being like a mill pond, flat, no breeze. And um, I was the only one out there. So at around 1115, uh, it was the Seattle against the Giants playing. Denard Spann hit a home run deep into McCovey Cove. And the TV broadcasters, Mike Kruko and Dwayne Kuyper, thought, oh, no one's going to be there to get it. It was hit deep towards the ferry dock. All of a sudden, I come paddling in, grabbing it. And uh, it was a special home run because I had basically persevered when other people had gone home. I didn't give up. It turned out that game went to... Two o'clock, 2.10 is when it ended, and I stayed to the very end. 
and ESPN was up. There was only about 500 fans inside, about 145. I waved to someone. It turned out to be the ESPN reporter, and they said, McCovey Cove Dave is still manning his spot, and I was. So that was a great game. I love it, and that is the perfect way to end it, McCovey Cove Dave manning his spot. Hey, this was really fun. Thanks so much for all the stories and being so generous with your time. Thank you so much for having me on. That is Dave Edlin, better known as McCovey Cove Dave, and this is Life Around the Scenes.